0: You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the Shining. You I mean shiny. Shh. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kucha, that's Kucha. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer or something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do.
1: Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at towerjunkiespod.com, and you can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod, and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at towerjunkiespod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts. There is also a $4 tier level that's just for Stephen King related content. On that, I have done tons and tons and tons of uh, book reactions and reviews, commentary tracks for movies, TV reviews, all of this stuff. And I have just finished an 18-week excursion into the world of Holly Gibney. So uh, check that out at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurd. And today we have a returning champion guest in Kim C from the year of underrated Stephen King. Uh, She needs no introduction, but she's going to get one. So she is one of our favorite King people on the uh, internets and planet. Um, And yeah, we are going to be talking today about Mr. Harrigan's phone, both the novella and the uh, movie um yeah kim welcome back to the show uh how are you doing this labor day king miss eve because we have holly coming out tomorrow
0: (laughs) i'm so excited i'm so happy to see you i'm so happy to be here this is the best ever it's the best (laughs) holiday weekend ever king miss king eve (laughs) <laughs> chatting with my bestie. It can't get any better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just like I was thinking about this uh over this long weekend. I'm just thinking like, yeah, okay. Holly is coming out. We're getting we're getting new Stephen King like in in hours at this point. And it's just so exciting. And did you did you see that he um soft announced what he's going to be doing next and like the next the next books that are coming out
0: i did i mm-hmm. did i listened to i think was it talking scared he yeah he did such a beautiful beautiful interview check it mm-hmm. out if you haven't oh yeah and king is just dropping these diamonds <laughs> like <laughs> yes. oh yeah there's another novella collection yep. there's another holly novel collaboration it sounds like yep. and matt he's I, 76 years old it's this so
1: perfect it's miraculous just, yeah oh yeah It's just, it's, it's insane. It's so great. It's so great to be a King fan. Um, the collection that's going to be coming out, I don't know when, but he announced that the title is You Like It Darker. Um, I think he said it's going to be a longer one at like 600 pages or more, um, which is super exciting. (laughs) And, uh, and then the Holly Gibney story that's going to be coming out at some point is called We Think Not, um, which is also very exciting because I have grown to very much just adore Holly Gibney and especially in these last few months as I've been going through the uh the um Bill Hodges Trilogy The Outsider and like doing rereads of those and doing a first read of If It Bleeds has has been just so so much fun and it's uh, like the character has grown on me so much over the last uh few months specifically so yeah um. Yeah, so how do you feel about Holly coming out soon <laughs> and everything?
0: Oh, man, man, I'm just so grateful. Like, my heart is so mm-hmm. full of gratitude that King is the age he is. And mm-hmm. my goodness, like, my parents are not that old, but if I, <laughs> I just can't believe <laughs> what this wonderful man continues to give us. And he does not by any means need to be writing anymore. No,
1: it's... It's so incredible. He, yep. He
0: hasn't I, uh, we 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 haven't needed the last 30 years. Like <laughs> right? he he's just such a wonderful creative and such a national treasure, international mm. treasure really. Yep. And oh, oh my god. So my first I'm just so full of gratitude. So thrilled that we get another novel in general. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it's about. Oh yeah and then i really have been enjoying this process of this character of holly and how she's gotten stronger and stronger with each yeah. iteration i'm so into it i'm so fascinated by it
1: oh absolutely and it's it's exciting that this is this is her this is her first novel her first like full-fledged novel and i had the experience when reading if it bleeds that cuz that was her first like solo outing and everything and it was all centered around her and we learned a lot about her family life and everything and like throughout it i'm like i don't understand why king didn't just make this a novel (laughs) because there's so much depth to the holly character that he could have just really dug into it um and and gotten more in depth with with the character but i just i also respect his process that's like I'm sure that he is given what I know about his process of writing and everything. He's just someone who will just write and then it'll, it'll take the form, whatever he wants, like whatever, whatever, whatever form it takes is just what he goes with and everything. So it's just, it's so impressive that, like he can have, uh, obviously at this point, he's not thinking like, oh, is this going to sell better as a novella or as a novel? It's just like, no, I'm just going to check in with my friend Holly and see how she's doing and then, uh, you know, figure out a monster for her to face and everything. <laughs> it's just, it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. I, I love the guy.
0: <laughs> Me too. And I'm just, I'm flabbergasted, Matt. Like when you do the math and when, I mean, this is a guy who does not need to be doing this and he still is. And so what a treasure that we get to have more stories to discuss and analyze and talk about and debate. It's just like the party is continuing and that fills me with joy. So I, I'm thrilled beyond thrilled. It sounds like a spooky one, a cr- a good crime one. Mm. I'm really, I'm hoping she might have a little romance in this novel. Maybe. That would be good. I'm um, I'm really excited to see our girl. I'm like oh, yeah. into it.
1: Yep, yep. I can't I can't wait. It's and I I kind of teased this in our pre recording uh, chat and everything, but um, <laughs> like I have such such a. Uh, delightful, like post Labor Day plan tomorrow. Um, and this is just so because, because like, and and I'll kind of this will kind of go into check ins and all that. But um, I finished If It Bleeds a couple nights ago. And then um, I have a I had a couple of days before Holly comes out. And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to go ahead and do like read something else. So I started reading The Dark Half, which I'm excited about. I'm gonna make quick work of that. It's and then and then I'll be ready for Holly next week. And with Holly, I have um pre-ordered the Audible, the audiobook. Um so that's gonna hit my Audible on like tomorrow morning. And then I have pre-ordered the hardcover from Amazon that it's showing that it's not going to be delivered until like Thursday. So I'm like, okay, well that's fine because I'll I have cause I want to do like I, I want to do that tried and true true method that you uh <laughs> kind of uh, suggested for for everyone to just read along while listening to it. I I can't get enough of doing that. So yay, yeah. So I am gonna do that when I get the book in my hands on Thursday, and that'll give me enough time for me to finish the dark half and everything. Um, but. <laughs> knowing that I'm going to be working in the office at my day job tomorrow. I am purposely going like this is my plan after work. I'm going to go home. But before I go home, I'm going to stop at Barnes Noble and I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to pick up Holly. I'm going to leaf through it. I'm going to take I'm going to have it in my hands since it's going to be a few days or a couple days before I get my copy. And it's just like I'm like actively looking forward to that (laughs) like it's going to be it's going to be a nice a nice afternoon at barnes and noble
0: I wholeheartedly support this. <laughs> I I really do. I love talking to King fans when it's book release day. There's mm-hmm. a lot of beautiful rituals that are a part of the day. And I love it. I oh, yeah. ordered mine from Amazon as well. So happy to know it's delayed. And <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I think I might just need to go get it tomorrow. Nice. There's, there's something very holy about mm-hmm. going to get it on release day and holding the oh, yeah physical copy in your hands it's very special
1: absolutely oh yeah and also i have an ulterior motive as well is that i want (laughs) to look through and see if there's a table of content so i can figure out how to divide up my patreon recordings for
0: it plan of attack (laughs) yes always
1: but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be nice um and it just reminds me of like a few years ago um when uh later came out that was the thing where i i um had pre-ordered it from amazon it came in it came in the mail and it was like i think i had like a book or two on deck before i could get to later and then i was like okay you know i'm just gonna just kind of kind of take a look at the first page and then an hour and a half two hours later it's like okay i'm halfway through the book now (laughs) so i guess i'm reading this so all right um
0: love yeah. later oh, oh yeah love oh, later. it's so
1: good it's so good um yeah yeah so anyway <laughs> holly is almost upon us it is king miss eve and i can't wait um and kim i want to give you the floor to tell us about the year of underrated stephen king what have you been up to lately on the show what do you have in the pipeline and what do you what like what's what's going on in the world of King and the year of underrated Stephen King and the book club that you host?
0: Awesome. <laughs> so I am a fiction teacher for those of you out there who didn't know and I started this podcast a couple years ago to take these underexplored King novels to the classroom. So that's what my show is about. It's a one woman show where I have a lot of analysis and we do a little bit of workshopping as if King's Story was a workshop in my class. So it's pretty fun. I'm having a good time. and. I was chatting with Matt earlier before we started recording that this year has been absolutely topsy-turvy in terms of <laughs> what I planned versus what happened. So I planned to just be really focused on underrated King. I was going to do needful things. I was going to do dream catcher and sell and all of these, you know, the ones that are just in the back, back, back. They don't get a little spot. Don't get a lot of spotlight. And That was the plan. Then all of a sudden, a friend of mine was like, I I really want to do a Stephen King book club. We can meet at my tea room. And I was like, yes, this (laughs) sounds awesome. Well, with brand new King people, you can't exactly I mean, you can but you know, I, I wanted to introduce King to brand new King people with different titles so (laughs) our theme our theme was the psychic children of stephen king nice it's been so fun so of course we made our way through the shining doctor sleep Firestarter. later we're gonna read joyland and all of these stories have psychic children inside of Mm -hmm. them so that's sort of like our our little theme for the year it's been totally fun a little bit more work Mm -hmm. but uh amazing and it's so awesome because the majority of the people in the club are it's half longtime constant readers, half nice. brand new king people. So, it's awesome hearing these perspectives. A lot of times they haven't read these novels in 20 plus years or they're just reading it for the first time, so incredibly special.
1: Nice. And like how do you approach it? Like do you approach it like you do a class or is it more of a like, okay, here's here's the book let's let's you know let's just dive into it what do you guys think like how do you how do you approach it in terms of uh, hosting it and everything
0: yeah I definitely bring the class with me everywhere I go so I always begin with some background info on the story published or when it was published how many pages what was going on when it was being written time of year things that were happening and then a little bit of biography biographical info on steve for those of the folks out there who don't know then i kind of go in with how do we feel about this novel what are our general thoughts that sort of kicks us off and then people are people will say i love it or it was okay then we dive into the categories like okay let's look at this character how are they... What did this character do for you? What did this character not do for you? What did we think of the ending? Uh, what do we think about the fact that we have a point of view change after 75 pages? So then mm-hmm. I definitely start to nerd out a little bit. Nice. And and I ask questions throughout. And most of the time that everybody just... It's like a runaway train car. <laughs> nice. I, I say a question and it just blows up and it's great. And I have to rein everybody back. I'm like... <laughs> Okay, come back class. All right. (laughs) So yeah, I just throw out little questions to make sure that their reading experience is a little richer from the book club. Because now you're discussing it with people who invested the exact amount of time as you did. So Mm -hmm. we should, let's dig in, let's really get in there. And a lot of book clubs out there just say, did you like it? And you're like, yes, sort of. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, cool. Let's have some wine. And I'm like, (laughs) I I do love a glass of wine. However, Mm. I'd like, I'd like to earn that wine. Right. (laughs) And let's, let's break it down a little bit. So that's what I do. And that's what I have been doing in this club. And it's been totally fun. And because of the club, I've been doing podcast episodes that are not underrated <laughs> King novels right. at all, and plan to do more. Man, because nice. <laughs> The Shining was my super secret summer surprise episode because yep. that one came out of left field for the book club. I knew we had to do it because Danny is the psychic children of all children, right? <laughs> And then I might have uh, a little Vampire King coming up in October. Nice. You guys know what's up. So <laughs> and then I think I might I, I don't know, but I think I might read for the very first time ever, Matt Carey.
1: Oh, interest. Oh, okay. Yep. That's very interesting. I'm I, I I'm very curious how you will take to that. Like how how you will dissect that cuz it is such an interesting like raw king story obviously it's his first published one and everything but the the structure of it is so interesting in the way that it just kind of has like this feeling of impending doom and it's it's really good i'm i'm very i'm very curious what what uh what you think what you'll think of it yeah
0: me too and i was pushing that one off for a while because it's so iconic and and i'm like But the book club is demanding, and so... It's, it's you know, it's the, the turn of the wheel. This car mm-hmm. wheel is turning the book club. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's obey the book club. And we're I think we're going to do carry. So nice. my topsy-turvy podcast year has been delightfully enhanced by this book club experience. Nice. I've, I've been busy. So it's been a little bit of a challenge to get the episodes out in a timely manner. But you guys, everyone understands. Like oh, life yeah. is... Life be bumpy, but it's been awesome thus far.
1: Nice, nice, and you are 119 episodes deep into the podcast, and it's it's one of my favorite podcasts, obviously. Um, and I am just I like I'm ecstatic that uh, that you're you're going so strong. It's uh it's really it's really great. Um, you recently did. Uh, now, that, now that I've read If It Bleeds, I need to go back and listen to your If It Bleeds episodes. But you recently did Four Past Midnight, which is super exciting, uh, earlier this year. Um, and what you did recently, I'm looking at the list now, <laughs> is uh, keeping with the underrated Stephen King, you did The Eyes of the Dragon. Um, what do you have coming up? And let me ask you, let me ask you, th- yeah, let, uh, how, what do you have coming up?
0: Ha <laughs> <laughs> So The Eyes of the Dragon was so much fun, Matt. I loved that thing. It is so elegant and beautiful and sweet and simple and oh my gosh, all the good things. So I wanted to spend some more time with Fantasy King. And mm-hmm. so I just, 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 just finished Fairy Tale. And I've been sitting on it for a couple of days, gathering my notes, because I really enjoy Fantasy King. And so mm-hmm. the the next installment will be my thoughts on Fairy Tale. Nice. We might have Salem's lot for October and then maybe Carrie in November. Maybe, maybe. So it's it's gonna be all over the place. And then I've been given some extra special homework from a different Stephen King podcast, and I'll nice. share with you at the end. like okay. this is absolutely left field. <laughs> uh, and this is a big assignment. This is like a big, big, big job. And so nice. that that has uh, bubbled up to the surface rather quickly. <laughs> And uh, let's just say I'll be visiting Derry again. Um, nice for for a hot minute. So we'll see. Unknown, it's still in the ether. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty busy.
1: That is awesome. That's very exciting. Um, I want to ask about Salem's Lot. Will this be your first time reading Salem's Lot?
0: This will be the second. Okay. This will be my second time. I read it early, early in my King days. So, Mm -hmm. like, 2013 was when I first discovered King. (laughs) And then I want to say that after that, I read It and then Pet Cemetery. And I think after Pet Cemetery, I did read Salem's Lot and love the hell out of it because I am a huge vampire nerd. I love everything immortal and everything vampire.
1: Nice. (laughs) <laughs> nice um and yeah and i feel like king like there could be a whole episode of a podcast somewhere that is just king's relationship with vampires and how he writes vampiric characters because even when they're not like traditional vampires he writes vampires like the true knot. Yeah. and uh and and really any of the character like i mean pennywise is kind of vampiric in the in the way that he hunts the fear of people um so i don't know there there could be a whole thing there but um regardless i'm very excited for you and uh, excited to check out the stuff that you have coming down the uh down the um road i always confuse whether it's down the pipe or down the pike so i hesitated there (laughs) So could you enlighten me which one it is?
0: <laughs> I think both are acceptable, actually. Okay. Pike and Pike. I okay. think you can get away with both.
1: Nice, nice. So I'm excited about what's coming down the pike with you. So... <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, thank you so much for listening. It's yeah, so of course. nice to have rad people throw a couple of logs on the bonfire to help me keep going. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so, so helpful. So thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Yeah, no problem. It is just... It is one of my favorite things is just Stephen King and like sharing that passion with other people and like listening to that passion just in, in podcast form is so fantastic. So yeah.
0: Isn't um, it the best club? I feel like oh, I absolutely have membership to the most fun club ever.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And just like that feeling of like i like i've seen uh like on social media there's been a couple of different pictures where it's just like it's Stephen King at like a Reds game and he's got like a book in his hand or he's got like um a tablet and he's just reading in between innings and stuff and it's just like this is our guy this is this is <laughs> yeah this is exactly this is exactly what we what we live for is to just you know I don't know it's like that's our version of a paparazzi shot of like of like the superstar that we all collectively stalk. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely we just celebrate this old man's genius yeah oh yeah lovely senior citizen we are obsessed with we adore because of his insane gift mm-hmm. his wonderful mastery of fiction oh yeah
1: oh yeah Um, so, yeah, so that is kind of our check-in section. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So what is, what is the very next one that you're going to read? Is it, is it Salem's Lot or?
0: Yes. Nice. Yes. I think that the Salem's Lot book club is the first week of October. So as soon as I'm done here, I got to get my ducks in a row and head to Jerusalem's Lot, which yes. It's been a minute and I don't remember much. I mean, I remember, of course, like the nice plot arcs and the fun parts of Salem's mm-hmm. Lot. But I always forget that that's an ensemble King cast novel. Like that is yeah. a huge, huge story about mm-hmm. Jerusalem's Lot. And so I, I need to get my, my thinking cap on. I need to get my notebook ready. I got to go.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to... Uh, everything you do in the future and in the present, by which I mean this conversation we're going to have <laughs> about <laughs> Mr. Harrigan's phone. Samey. Uh, yeah. So that is what we're going to be doing today. Is we're going to be uh, discussing Mr. Harrigan's phone, the novella, and then we're going to um, also discuss the movie adaptation that's on Netflix. So we're going to do like a non spoiler and spoiler section for each one. Um, So check the show notes for timestamps and everything. But um, before we get into that, I do want to mention that not only is Holly coming out tomorrow, but this week uh, also sees the release of King on Screen, a documentary about uh, the various Stephen King adaptations with a ton of interviews with filmmakers like Mike Flanagan, Frank Darabont, uh, Mick Garris, uh, Greg, uh, Greg Nicotero a bunch of people everyone that like a bunch of people who have been in the sphere of Stephen king adaptations over the decades really good documentary i released an episode last week with uh myself interviewing the producer of the film sebastian cruz so check that out and everything and check out the documentary when it comes out it's king on screen highly recommend it so yeah um have I, you got
0: a chance to see it yet
1: I have. And it it is very... There's some really good stuff in there. Um, Just in... Like, it's one of those things where anytime I absorb anything Stephen King related... I just feel like, okay, I need to do, like, I need to up my game. I need to, like, read everything. I need to watch everything. So, like, that's one of the reasons why I chose to just pick up The Dark Half, which is something that I'm not reading for the podcast or even for Patreon. I probably won't post anything on Patreon for that, but just something at my leisure to do. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, and there's also that movie about The Dark Half. I should I should also watch that and everything um but the actual documentary king on screen has just a ton of fun anecdotes from so many different filmmakers and it's it's one of the thing one of the things that i love about stephen king and about the adaptations of his work is how It is very, very different approaches. There are very different approaches given who is involved with it. So one of the most exciting things that I had about going into the documentary was that I knew that they got to interview Frank Darabont. And he, like, seeing him talk about the process and also seeing Mike Flanagan talk about the process of adapting King, it's just like, it is, it's, it's great. Um. Yeah. And then in terms of FOMO, like there's a whole segment about, uh, Dolores Claiborne and and the adaptation of that and all of that. And I'm just like, oh, I need to read Dolores Claiborne. I need to read it and I need to watch the movie and everything. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So there's a lot of really good stuff. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, when it comes out. Yep.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm there. Nice. Can't wait.
1: Nice. Um. Okay. So let's dive in to this review. Let's start with the novella, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. It is part of the If It Bleeds collection, which was released on April 21st, 2020, um, which was such a fun <laughs> um,
0: time. Said no one ever.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the novella uh the plot summary courtesy of StephenKing.com, is craig is a youngster in a small main town hired by a rich old businessman to read and do the odd chore after he retires um after winning some cash for off a lottery scratcher gifted t- by mr harrigan the boy buys his friend an iP- an iphone uh, the device gets buried with mr harrigan when he dies though communication continues beyond the grave in chilling fashion so Kim, how did you feel about the novella uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone and in non-spoilers, how did you feel about the the story that King delivered to us via this novella?
0: Oh, my goodness, Matt. I uh, well. So, uh, I'm trying to like contain all my excitement. <laughs> like, how do I how do I let it out in tiny little bites? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I love the novella collections it's one of my favorite things of king's writing because that was the very first the very first experience i had with king was a four novella collection and changed my life so i have such a soft spot for them i love them so with if it bleeds i read mr harrigan's phone and was so obsessed with it from moment one it has everything that I love about Stephen King's writing. Nice. And what I was really surprised by is it has a very heavy helping of Charles Dickens. And it's so enjoyable for anybody who knows Charles Dickens really quick. I mean, Charles Dickens's writing is, I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea. He's a very long-winded individual because he was literally mm-hmm. writing for money. Each mm-hmm. word gave him more money. So... <laughs> But all of Dickens' stories have to do with money, the lack thereof, people being victimized and exploited for their lack of money because it happened to Dickens' own father. Mm -hmm. And so with Mr. Harrigan's phone, we have the point of view from young Craig, who's nine years old when the story begins. So I have a child narrator, which I love. (laughs) We we love King kids. They're amazing. King's a brilliant character writer. So having a young narrator always scoops me up. Takes me by the hand. I love it. And so then we get this wonderful elderly benefactor trope, the wise sage archetype. And I also love that because we're seeing it a lot in later King works. Like we just saw it in fairy tale. Yep. We just saw it in fairy tale. And I I love it. We've seen it in a couple other places, too. There's a short story I love in The Bazaar of Bad Dreams called Cookie Jar <laughs> that has a wonderful elderly benefactor where it's an old man helping a young boy and financially as well. And so... Mm-hmm. Mr. Harrigan is a cantankerous, rich old dude who wants to be alone, so he moves to Harlow, which I love Harlow. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody's crazy about Castle Rock, we love Derry, we love all of the big heavy hitter cities, but Harlow, for all my revival fans out there, that's yes. where it, that's where it goes down. Also, the body is like on the Harlow motton border. Right. I love that town. It's oh, yeah. just so special so we're in harlow a city i love we have this sweet young angel boy who's our narrator who's already experienced a lot of loss which i also love in king's writing is when Mm -hmm. he talks about death and grief and when children have to experience that it's really powerful for me and for this drama and fiction experience that i'm going through with this story so it's got everything we've got small town child narrator childhood trauma and then we got a little bit of the gothic like mm-hmm. this kind of spooky yet still very heartfelt throughout and when i finished if it bleeds i'm like um mr harrigan's phone is number one
1: <laughs> nice very nice that's awesome it it for me it it's probably number 2 uh 2 or 3 but it's such a great collection anyway so it's it's very hard to kind of like assign a ranking and everything but I mean The Life of Chuck is far and away my favorite of the collection it's just that just just destroyed me it was amazing um but Mr. Harrigan's Phone like you said it has so many things that are are just um exemplary of or like examples of king's like strengths and in particular like you like you touched on with the uh older man younger kid dynamic and it's something that is it is it is something that is so interesting to read in this like later king era and everything but also in in a younger king we had a very darker very much darker one with that pupil but
0: oh oh my god you're <laughs> yeah, right yeah. how could i forget that's yes. why i forgot because i hate that <laughs> so
1: much. it's so yeah yeah that still sticks with me but it's so interesting to read like, like I had, when I was reading Mr. Harrigan's phone, I had read fairy tale last year, earlier this year. And I was just like, this feels so much like Mr. Bowditch and Charlie. Um, and it, it was like, it felt like he's like King is working on working on a specific wavelength now at this point in his career. And I just found that to be really interesting as a mentor-mentee relationship or really in in, uh, a guidance kind of uh, dynamic. But what I found really interesting about the novella, which we'll get into in spoilers and everything, is the morality tale at the center of it, where where, where Craig has this advantage over the world maybe like he has this advantage over people that do harm to him or he he has this thing in his back pocket and the kind of moral the 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 moral question of it is whether or not he uses it and as I've been reading a lot more like just different horror and thriller fiction from different writers and stuff it's just, it speaks to me so much that he makes this the moral center of it is whether or not he should do this. Whereas like other writers would do a thing where it's like, okay, let's make this the grossest thing possible. Let's make this the most like aggressive, terrifying thing. Um, and it's, it's just so elegant the way that King writes it when in, in this, in this case, I don't know. It's just, it's, that's, that really spoke to me. Um, Oh, I love that.
0: I didn't even think about that. But you're right. It's, And this is what I love about a rich novella like that is it just gives so much. And then when you revisit it, like this is, I read it just recently Mm -hmm. for the show, and it was my third time and I got new stuff each time. Just tiny little things. I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful. I forgot about that. Or, yeah, there is a real strong moral center. Mm -hmm. And I think... As King's been aging, it's just a hypothesis of mine that I think there is a lot more reflection Mm. on morality, humanity. Um, We see this a lot with Billy Summers.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Where where there's a character in that novel who's brutalized, like Mm -hmm. absolutely brutalized. And yet she tells her assassin buddy, don't kill them. Mm-hmm. So I, I am noticing that there's a lot more restraint and reflection on that, which is very fascinating. And yeah. we have that deeply, very much so, like you said, inside Mr. Harkin's phone.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a really good comparison with Billy Summers, too, because that the, the restraint is the, the restraint to do things that are morally questionable or even borderline evil in certain respects that is where the most drama resides in like these Stephen King stories and everything. And it's just so fascinating to me because of the way that this ends up, the way that it uh, gets to its conclusion, which I will, will talk about in spoilers, obviously, but uh, going into the entire, like viewing it as an entire piece, it's just so interesting that it's not about, it's, it's not about having this um have having having this power and wielding it it's about who you are as a person and who you grow into as a person as a result of possibly using or not using this thing that is otherworldly um and it's just it's just really fascinating the way that he plays with those morality questions um through the lens of a coming of age story because it's also a really good coming of age story i Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love it.
0: (laughs) I'm so happy. I'm so happy because I, I too really enjoyed Life of Chuck. However, Mm. I remember having to rank it pretty low Mm. when I ranked my novellas this, this year. And I'm like, uh oh, did I screw up? Because, (laughs) because Life of Chuck, I remember, because I, I think I have a little bit more trouble with King sci-fi than Mm -hmm. I do with his fantasy I'm always left wanting a little bit more, and so Life of Chuck is a really—it's really good. But I mm. remember like having to rank it lower because Mr. Harrigan's phone just had so much muscle for me.
1: That—that that is perfectly like perfectly acceptable. Like I totally get that, and it's funny because I—I I, I read a fair amount of science fiction outside of King, and like yeah, there is certain there are certain aspects to his science fiction that is a bit lacking because of that kind of baseline that I have for knowledge of sci-fi writing and everything. But, and even that, I'm not like an expert or anything, but just knowing that and knowing how much he pulls from like the Twilight Zone, like there's such a clear correlation between the Twilight Zone and Stephen King's, some of Stephen King's work and everything, not a, not a dig or anything, but it is, it it's there, that influence is there. So, um, But I don't know, the life of Chuck just kind of just blew me away because I also was not expecting that at all. Like I was not expecting the way that that was to, that was playing out. And I was just like, just so gripped by it. It was great. But, um, but yeah, but Mr. Harrigan's phone. Also great, really loved Yay! it. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I really did too. I'm so happy. It just mm-hmm. makes me so happy because I think that Life of Chuck really is a heavy hitter. It's yeah. really good. This whole collection is amazing. Oh, Matt. it's incredible.
1: Like, oh yeah, yeah. We've
0: got a lot of beefy novellas. Like mm-hmm. if it bleeds, is huge. Rats, amazing. Yeah. And so to to really rank them, it, it's hard. It's but
1: oh yeah, and like. <laughs> And like, I tried to rank, um, the collections themselves. Cause I, I think I have like three collections I need to, or no, two collections I need to read before I read all of them basically, or before I have read all of them. And like, I was trying to rank like the collections and everything. And I was like, um, let me see if I can find it real quick because I was just like, okay, this is, this is clearly going to be like a top five collection. Cause every one of these stories is just so well done. And all have something that I really enjoy about them. But because it's Stephen King and because he has so many just incredible collections and everything, I ended up ranking this. This is a tentative ranking because I don't know where it will actually land. But um, collections. uh, Oh, I think I was on the wrong page. Jeez. Uh, I think I ranked it at like number seven um very nice yeah number 7 of no 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 oh okay oh no uh 8 so of uh, and here's the thing of the 9 collections i've read i have it ranked at number 8 and that's not because it's a bad collection by any means it's just that i mean we've got <laughs> night shift we've got there four go. past midnight nightmares and dreamscapes just after sunset skeleton crew everything's eventual and then different seasons like they're all incredible. Um, and then Hearts in Atlantis at number nine, which I don't even know if I necessarily count that as a collection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about this with yeah. somebody. And it's so funny, Matt, because you're dead on. Like, every time we, <laughs> we get the Hearts in Atlantis, everybody's like, what is that? Like, <laughs> what is it? Because it's like one novella, sort of, and then like a couple little slices, I have such a hard time defining it as well. I just find it really funny because it's like, you're like the (laughs) seventh person who we all have a brain bleed when it comes to Hearts in Atlantis. It's so funny.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's kind of frustrating for me because, uh, again, plugging the Patreon, but like, I... (laughs) I like doing the collections on Patreon. I do like, I'll read a story and then I'll record my thoughts on it. And then I will then read the next story and record my thoughts and then release an episode. That's like three stories and then have like numerous parts for the collection and everything. And that's my coverage of the collection on Patreon. Check it out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, please. I need money. Um, but, <laughs> um, but like with, when I get to like hearts in Atlantis, I'm like, I, this isn't like, yeah, there's that novella, but, like the other stories connect and like they all it's a themed thing so i I don't feel like it's a collection so i don't know it's i love it but i also just like it's it's a weird like anomaly there that my brain can't wrap wrap around 100%
0: you're dead on it's such a strange Little guy you're like Mm -hmm. I don't know what you are Hearts in Atlantis it's I think I call Low Men and Yellow Coats is Mm -hmm. a novella Just Mm -hmm. based on page length alone Yeah So it's like one novella and like Two to three short stories And that's Mm -hmm. I think that's it So sort of a short story collection It's so messy
1: Yeah oh yeah Uh, But it's great though Um, (laughs) It is (laughs) Yeah um so yeah so do you want to go into spoilers for Mr. Harrigan's Phone the novella um cuz we could probably talk more but just it better to just go into spoilers and not dance around it We can do it. that. Okay. We
0: can do that. I trust your vibes.
1: Nice. All right. I am going to play a little bit of music here to bring us into spoilers. So we're going to be spoiling Mr. Harrigan's Phone the novella um and then uh check the show notes for timestamps and everything. Then we're going to talk about the movie, which I think we'll probably just do spoilers on for the movie when we get to that. Um, but anyway, going to play some music. And then when we come back, we're going to be spoiling Mr. Harrigan's phone. Okay. Spoilers on for Mr. Mr. Harrigan's phone. And the thing I want to, like, I've, figure we'll talk more about each kind of section in terms of like his growth as like his experience with the bully, um, his experience with the teacher and then, um, his experience with the phone in terms of killing people. But, um, <laughs> I kind of want to just jump right to the end and talk about how interesting it is to have this story come to its conclusion where, Uh, Craig just kind of has this realization that the text messages are possibly, it's, it's ambiguous itself. It's not even clearly like defined, but he has the assumption or the thought that is this Mr. Harrigan telling him to stop? Like, is this painful for him? And just like, it's so amazing because King can just write that. He can just write that and then it contains an entire an entire subplot of, of drama and, and horror itself. And I love that the focus of that is, that's not necessarily like the horror, the horror conclusion of the story. Instead, it's the jumping off point for Craig to make a decision as to whether he is going to, is going to embrace being this person who may turn into someone who has the same kind of um uh the same kind of um darkness within him that Mr. Harrigan did or is he going to let Mr. Harrigan go and be like an actual functioning person <laughs> so i don't know i just really liked that kind of dynamic at the end or that that kind of um the way that the way that Craig just kind of had that that emotional kind of uh uh center for for the for the end of the book so how did you feel about that
0: (laughs) oh my gosh I loved it I love this reflection on well first of all like by the time we we start to inch around toward the end of the story Mr. Harrigan has killed in quotes Mm -hmm. or helped kill two people in Craig's life Craig has pretty direct connections to these individuals and craig has directly asked for them to be disposed of Mm -hmm. sort of kind of and i i do love how craig's empathy is the strongest at the end and he realizes that he has no idea how or why this powerful phenomena is occurring but he needs to remember that if it was harming Mr. Harrigan, he needs to stop. Like, this is an abuse yeah. of power. Mr. Harrigan doesn't want to do this. And I this was on Twitter when the film was released on Netflix. Matt, I don't know if you... I mean, I'm sure you saw it, but I wish I would have wrote it down. Because King, <laughs> he tells us what the letters mean.
1: Oh, like, oh wow. He ma-
0: yeah, he makes us guess. I guessed for really? five days. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> So this is definitely, we'd have to scroll back quite a while. Yeah. But but he had this like little poll. He's like, what do you guys think it means? And people came up with the best stuff ever. But what each of the the letters mean, the A, 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 and then the X. And so he tells us, he actually says what it was. And it is along the lines of like, Craig, I love you. Stop.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: It's so good. Yeah. We'll have to really do some scrolling to yeah. (laughs) to get back there but I was thrilled because I love that part because there are return text messages that Craig receives and Mm -hmm. it's just these weird letters and you're like what does that mean right so (laughs) I I love it I love that in the end which it just breaks my heart in the best way because Mm -hmm. Craig lost his mother at the age of three. So this is a sweet little lamb who's experienced the dark side of life very early on. He's raised by a single dad. And then this mentor, this wonderful relationship he had with this grandfather-like figure Mm -hmm. also ends in death. So this sweet baby has just had a rough go. And yet he chooses empathy and he chooses Mm -hmm. kindness and he chooses to let go of that power. He has this power. He's got it. He knows it's real. And he throws that bone into the nearest watering hole for it to just not be in his life anymore because he does value honoring Mr. Harrigan, not wanting to bring further pain and suffering to a soul that needs to rest. And it's beautiful.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just the way that it's interesting because now, now that we're talking about it and I'm not going to give anything away with rat or anything, but there's just such an interesting correlation between this, this novella and rat and how both of them explore, um, a character facing a, a choice or a, an emotionally driven choice that they also have plausible deniability with. Like, Throughout Mister Harrigan's phone, there's like the whole bully thing is like okay, well you know I'm venting to him about my bully, he's he's dead now. So like wait, did he actually kill him? Well okay, maybe maybe not. And then it's like okay the next the next time it's like yeah I want I want him dead and everything. It's just like like that that jump from plausible deniability to actually actively wanting something harmful and destructive is. some incredible characterization. So, um, and then the way that that kind of also comes into play lightly at the end of Rat is just, this collection is incredible.
0: (laughs) So dang good. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. I think it's like that age-old adage, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And Craig is a meek and mild, sweet young boy and we see this especially in the movie. I love Jaden Martell. Oh, he's great. Oh, yeah. Obsessed. But, when he realizes that, oh, my God, Mr. Harrigan is somehow, some way, returning to these people I don't like, I mean, that takes roost. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. takes roost. (laughs) It sounds weird. (laughs) That takes hold of his Mm -hmm. mind. And as he grows into adulthood, that power starts to spread a little bit, knowing that that's in his back pocket.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Um, yeah, I, I, I had, I had the whole thought, but I, it just, it just ran away from me. But, um, but yeah, the, the way that I, the, the way that the, the thing that another thing that I kind of honed in on was the way that it is kind of all about, or it's to a certain extent, it is mostly about, um, the differences between Harrigan and Craig and how, like his his relationship with Mr. Harrigan is very pleasant, very nice, very kind. They have that mentor mentee kind of uh relationship and everything, but it's not until like he talks to um to the housekeeper, I think. And like he learns like second and third hand from other sources that like yeah, Mr. Harrigan is a cutthroat businessman who is willing to just destroy anyone in his path and everything. And That also plays into the kind of uh, lightly plays into a little bit of another sort of plausible deniability where he has that moment where he's he has the choice to make whether he is going to let Mr. Harrigan go or if he's going to keep the phone and use him to to further his own needs. It's it's that pivotal point where he kind of has a choice to make as to whether he he wants to be the person that he was with Mr. Harrigan in terms of their friendship, or if he wants to be the person that Mr. Harrigan was outside of their friendship. And I just think that there's just so much like this story kind of has very different, like it's, it's kind of like the other side of maybe, maybe not this extreme, but it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, spin on some aspects of apt pupil because that is just a descent into darkness and horror and terrible like soci- sociopathy and crazy just horrible hatred and everything. And this is like, yeah, I can I can use this dead guy to kill people, or I can just be <laughs> a decent person. <laughs> like it's just it's so it's so interesting. So yeah,
0: it is. It is the exact opposite of the landscape <laughs> yes. that is apt pupil, which. Yes. I hate that novella because Mm -hmm. it's so deplorable in subject matter. Mm -hmm. However, I will always, always give it credit for being psychologically fascinating.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I, uh, this is a a slight tangent, but like I was on TikTok and I saw someone, uh, they made a video about um, like how like, oh, everyone thinks that this character is the most disturbing stephen king character and it's like i like pennywise or something and then they're like but actually it's actually todd bowden and and like he goes into like an explanation of that and then i was just like yeah absolutely and then like i commented and i was just like yeah the the final line of that novella still haunts me and it's just like it's oh it is it's it's incredible Um,
0: (laughs) that tracks because that kid, (laughs) the first, I don't know, four paragraphs of that novella is Todd knocking on the door, knowing that Kurt DeSander is a Mm -hmm. Nazi. That little kid has an agenda. Yep. And he knows and he just straight up hits him with blackmail like that Mm -hmm. kid is majorly a mess. Yep. Um, yeah, he scares me and... Mm -hmm. However, I do love talking about apt people because it's so nuts. Yeah. It's just so off the rails. It's, oh God, it's so uncomfortable, Matt. It's just
1: like, <laughs> yes.
0: Ew. Oh, um, yep. But, but man, I mean, when we look at it as a piece of art, it's crazy.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But someone who is not evil like Todd Bowden is Craig. He is a very kind <laughs> kid. And, um, one of the the other aspects of it that I think I, we touched on a little bit is the coming of age aspect of it. Like we spend years with Craig in this story and it is just so wonderful. Like the way that we see him grow up, like King has not skipped a beat with writing these like adolescent characters, teenage characters, early twenties, I think he gets into um, characters and the experiences of them, whether it's just like getting bullied as at a school dance or like working and, um, being called back home because of a tragedy. It's just really, really incredible characterization. I don't know how he does it so effectively. And so (laughs) seemingly effortlessly it is, it is remarkable.
0: It really is. I just love sweet little Craig so much. And, King does a beautiful job of putting him in school and giving mm-hmm. him friends and giving him activities. And that connects with all of us because yeah. we were all kids. We might not all be senior citizens yet, but we have all been kids. Yes, And we are able to recall with such vivid memory, whether we want to or not, that time in our lives and with sweet craig he he has a really lovely environment to grow up in and yeah. I, I just it's so charming and I wanna spend time with him. I wanna hang out with him. And I feel he's really similar to Charlie Reed in Fairy Tales. So yeah. if anybody out there is hesitant about Fairy Tale and you like Mr. Harrigan's phone, I recommend giving Fairy tale a chance because it's the same kind of vibe. Charlie is seventeen and he has the same kind of sweetness yeah. that young Craig does.
1: Absolutely. And and another kind of correlation. There, from what I remember, a fairy tale is. I love that King here in Mister Harrigan's Phone does not make, doesn't doesn't manufacture drama through, like like, uh, Craig's dad. being jealous or being angry or whatever about his relationship with Mr. Harrigan. Like there's one line where he just asks him, like he doesn't touch you or anything, does he? And then (laughs) he's just like, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, No, everything's cool. And it's like, okay, cool. And then he's like, there is so much drama that could have been manufactured for that, but that's not the story he's telling. He very pointedly is telling uh, a very specific story about, mr harrigan craig and an iphone and it's just it's it's great um yeah
0: so so strong yeah i'm so enamored by Mm. all of it
1: yeah how did you feel about the actual iphone aspect of it all (laughs) like like there are just long passages where it's talking about the diff like the original iphone and everything and it's just like i felt a little bit of nostalgia i never had an iphone but like at the start of the smartphone craze like it's just it's really interesting to kind of be transported back to that how did you feel about the the history lesson (laughs) in mr Harrigan's phone (laughs)
0: I thought it was charming, and I think we see King do this a lot in his catalog. He did this with the Garmin, with the novella "Big Driver." So okay,
1: I haven't got, read that one yet.
0: Yep it's it's either Garmin or remember when the portable GPS? Oh were like all, yeah, like, all all the rage. Like mm-hmm. there was tom tom and whoever whatever Yep. so i think he uses garmin and then for the short story you are or er
1: yeah that, the kindle one
0: was, yeah yep. so <laughs> i i love that king loves tech mm-hmm. i love that you know I, we even have this in word processor of the gods from, yes
1: <laughs> oh my <laughs> from Sc- i love that so much <laughs> so
0: good we yeah. i think we've we've got tech everywhere now that i think about it mm-hmm. so I felt that this was done in such a charming way rather than, well, I would say err, was just strange and the, <laughs> the, the Kindle is kind of strange. And so I yeah. think not as many folks have the Kindle, but like everybody has Apple products. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I thought it was great. I thought it was nice. very sweet and charming and it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. With the, with where smartphones are today. It's just such a yep. (laughs) Yep.
1: The, yeah, the, the moment where he has, he basically has Mr. Harrigan, uh, kind of, I guess, proselytized to, to Craig, or, or he's just like, he's speaking doom about it. Like, this is going to, this is going to change everything. This is going to ruin the, world and everything and he goes in to explain it and like in the moment I was like okay okay king I I get what (laughs) you're doing like this is a little bit it's a little bit like a little bit of editorializing not like I agree with everything like all the doom and gloom of it and everything but it just felt slightly like he was giving himself an outlet through Mr. Harrigan's like clairvoyance of that (laughs) but at the same time I was just like yeah, he's right. Like, that's it, absolutely <laughs> right. This is rotting our brains and in, in our world. Um, so, yeah.
0: I do love how Mr. Harrigan is so against it at first. And... <laughs> yeah. Like, he was blown away by satellite radio. Like, Charlie's (laughs) like, hey, let's play with this. He's like, oh, my God, there's so many channels. (laughs) And so, Mr. Harrigan, he's really kind of monastic for Mm -hmm. me. He's really monkish, even though he's a billionaire. A little bit of a Howard Hughes vibe there. And he's so anti. And then... Craig's like, here, Mr. Harrigan, you can look at the stocks. And he's like, is that today? <laughs> Holy yeah. hell. And I just love how he instantly starts to enjoy it. And I yep. think that's what tech does. It makes our lives better. Mm. some Sometimes for the worse over time, but yep. in the in the moment, it was created to make life better, to make things more optimized yeah. and easier. And so I love that we see both sides of Mr. Harrigan. We mm. see his cranky Luddite side and then we see his like oh my god I have I could take a photo with this and just (laughs) it's so it's so great
1: it absolutely is and it it's hilarious to me too that like kind of one of the big like punchlines of that whole aspect of the of the story is that he's like I need to call I need to call my business guy and then Craig's just like you can use that that's also a phone (laughs) like you can use it to call (laughs) it's just it's really it's really good yeah,
0: I have a feeling that that's how King must have been. Just a little mm-hmm. bit. I think he likes tech, and I I know that he's like a Tesla guy. Like I, yeah. I think he really really enjoys tech. And yeah. so, but you know, this is a guy who married Tabitha for her typewriter. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like um, I also think there's an old soul in there as well. Mm-hmm. Who, based on the music he listens to, yeah. so. It's a perfect marriage.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and also like the way that, uh, oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, to go back to lightly talk about, uh, you are, or you're, or whatever, however you pronounce it. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I've read that novella yet. I know that it's, it's collected in Bizarre Bad Dreams, I believe. But, um... I remember like when I had a Kindle, like I don't have a Kindle anymore. I think I'm thinking about getting one uh, because I have like a ton on like my Kindle library from when I had before. Um, But I remember one of the, like one of the stories was a Kindle single of your, and Like, I remember I could this could be just something I'm misremembering, but I remember it being presented as like, okay, this is the this is an exclusive King King, uh, Kindle exclusive story that King wrote specifically for the launch of the Kindle. And like, it's just like, I, I love that. I love that. I love how even at his even at this stage of his life and even then he was still he was still kind of older back then too but like at this stage of his life he's not shying away from new technology and also pop culture like he he has his uh his his finger on the pulse of like what's popular and everything not as research but as just like hey uh like i enjoy this show and (laughs) like this is what i feel about it um i don't know i just i like how Uh, keyed into pop culture he is in technology
0: oh you're dead on and i i think that's what makes king just when you think of his reach and his influence Mm. it's just astronomical because of pop culture
1: because
0: Uh, he has just been a reincarnation almost every 10 years it's amazing because of pop culture he is who he is like yeah Larger than life, because this guy is just a writer, but these iconic films and the merchandising and then the yep. sequels and the remakes and it's like oh this guy his name became synonymous with horror and the horror genre and pop culture did that i don't yep. think king's <laughs> writing did that that was nope. the movies that was the marketing agency yeah. which i think we got to talk about marketing when it comes to the film here cuz that's a huge thing yeah
1: you know it's funny let's let's go into let's go into the movie um <laughs> first of all uh just final final thoughts on the novella. Where did you rank it in this collection? Uh say again, where you ranked it in this collection and uh any final thoughts on it?
0: Oh goodness. Uh this is number 1 for me in in terms of out of the four within mm-hmm. if it bleeds. I think I think I did this right. I think it was Mr. Harrigan's phone was number one. Rat was number two. Nice. If it bleeds was number three, and sadly, Life of Chuck <laughs> was number four. However, I might I might change that up. We might have to mix some around. Nice. But Mr. <laughs> Harrigan is definitely the top. It's my favorite out of this collection, and it is a top five novella for me.
1: Nice. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, and yeah, of course, of course, listeners, you can check out uh, Kim's. Uh, Podcast episode 116, I have it right here, (laughs) your top 15 Stephen King novellas. Um, For me, this was ranked number two or three. I'm not sure in terms of the novellas. Number one, definitely Life of Chuck. And then I think two and three are pretty interchangeable between Rat and Mr. Harrigan's Phone. And then If It Bleeds is a strong number four. Um, Yeah, really fantastic collection. I, I adore it. Um yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about the movie that was released on Netflix directed and adapted by John Lee Hancock. Um it stars Donald Sutherland and Jaden Martell and it was released on October 5th, 2022 and uh since I forgot, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer to bring us into this section of the podcast. So we are going to be spoiling the movie itself. So uh you know Watch it and come back or what have you. But here's a clip from the trailer, and then we're gonna talk Mr. Harrigan's Phone, the Netflix original film.
0: Back to school, ring the bell, brand walking blues.
1: Why do you continue to come here? Because I enjoy our time together. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. iPhones just came out. Thank you. Let's give you a nickname. Pirate King. <laughs> Look it. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Harrigan,
0: has anyone ever tried to take advantage of you? How'd you deal with that? Harshly.
1: So, like I said, Mr. Harrigan's phone came out October 5th, 2022. I recently watched it in the last couple of weeks. Um, And yeah, like I said, it stars Donald Sutherland and Jaden Martell. Jaden Martell, of course, mainstay of King screen stuff he was obviously in it uh in it chapter 2 um yeah so kim you'd mentioned uh something about the marketing uh enlighten me because i have no idea <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, first of all, really quick. Did you like it? Cuz I love this yeah.
1: movie so much. <laughs> um, I did like it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. There is a level to it that I can respect in terms of an adaptation in that it is it is by and large a a point by point adaptation. Like it is very 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 faithful to the to the novella. And I love that about it. Um some aspects of it I wasn't too keen on and I don't want to drag like one performance or anything but like I kind of I feel like the performance of Kenny uh the bully was just like that was that was a little bit rough but um but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Maybe not as much as you did, unfortunately, but <laughs> it is still a very Very, very solid Stephen King adaptation. Um, Yeah,
0: I'm glad to hear it. Mm -hmm. So I love it so much and agree with you on all the things. But I noticed when I was reviewing it, I I had a couple people who I made watch it. I was like, please watch it. Please watch Mm -hmm. it. And when they saw the trailer, they're like, oh, I thought this was going to be scary. Because apparently some of the introductory marketing had... Blumhouse mentioned and yeah. had these I, I I don't know if it was James Wan but it was like the producer of such and such films and so they did a drop and these quick cuts and it made it like seem to be a suspenseful frightening movie uh, Matt yeah and then when you watch it this is a drama right ladies and gentlemen this is a drama start to finish <laughs> there is zero aspects of anything scary going on at all, it's all very mysterious. There's like a little bit of like, oh, what's happening? A little bit of suspense in that regard. But mm-hmm. this is a drama, and they marketed it as like Blumhouse Association, and you're like, yeah. why did you do that? Why?
1: It's so frustrating when that happens, especially with Stephen King adaptations. And it is, it is Blumhouse, and it was Ryan Murphy produced it as well. There you go. There you go. Um, so it's so frustrating when. When, like, OK, as fans of Stephen King, like we all know he's more than horror. He's more than he's he is not a pop horror writer. He is someone who like my 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 opinion that I have shouted for years is that he is someone who has a very, very uh, keen eye on uh, like just middle America and just like Everyday people, and he just happens to include a fair amount of horror, suspense, science fiction in some cases, like genre stuff in his stories about just common people and ordinary people and My problem is that i still so many decades after he like got his start and everything there's still people that are not on that train with us. And it's just, I understand the need to market it in this way, but it's setting it up for disappointment because you're right. It is absolutely a drama story. It is a drama. And I just feel like it's so frustrated when people like still now are just kind of Uh, just ready to kind of just like count it as like, Oh, it's a horror story. It's a, it's a horror movie. Um, Blumhouse and Stephen King. Oh, this is clearly horror. It's like, no, it's, it's not. Um, also the poster doesn't really do it any favors as well (laughs) with, with him with his ear to the ground. But yeah, that's, that's really frustrating. Um, yeah.
0: Not a fan. And the thing, The thing is, is I get it. Like, I understand. Like, if you are the production agency, if you are the marketing agency, it's like, well, how else are you going to do it? You know, like how this is about a dead guy seemingly coming back to life. Like, Mm -hmm. that is scary. That is a horrifying concept. Yet it's wrapped up in a drama. So how do we market it? We're going to go the route of horror. And it's just so sad because this is not a horror story. So... Everybody wanting that gets duped and then they're disappointed and then they don't really give the film its due credit or its right. due attention because they're waiting for something scary to happen. Yeah. And- it's just lose lose. And so it's just soul crushing because it's like this needed to be marketed like Shawshank was mm-hmm. or Green Mile, like yeah. drama. Yeah.
1: Or Stand and, By Me. Like Yeah. This is a coming of age story the same way that Stand by Me, like Stand By Me is like the coming of Age story for me. <laughs> like there is it's 100%. just yeah. And and this is this is this is that. But um but yeah, but I will say, even if I was not as hot on the movie Jaden Martell, just (laughs) he like that. He is incredible. Like, he is he is just so fantastic. He, I feel like his performance and his performances in it and it chapter two is just like it is just such an uh, he he encompasses so much about that. Young King character, young Stephen King character, coming of age story person, um, which I think is the technical term for, for how you would describe those types of characters. But um, but I mean, he just has this this energy of youth and uh, naivete, but also he's he carries so much like he can key into the trauma and the traumatic history of a character, whether it's Bill Denbro or if it's Craig. Uh, or if it's Craig' last name, um, because I not like in the credits. It's just Craig. I don't know what his last name is, but, um, but yeah, but he he's fantastic, and seeing him play off of Donald Sutherland, who he Donald Sutherland is fantastic as well, obviously, but just like he can play that cantankerous old man who just switches over to like sweet mentor character, um. Yeah, it's 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 really great and I'm and I respect the movie for like allowing Mr. Harrigan to live for so long because like I think it's like not until like halfway through the movie that we get that turn. Um so when they were making it they knew that it was a coming of age story. <laughs> so Yeah.
0: That they did. Oh, man. Matt, the casting is superb. Oh, yeah. It's just so good. I also love the filming. I think it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. New England in the fall, which I think it was filmed in Connecticut. So it's just like a real slice of small town America, New England beauty. So there's so much to enjoy there. But Jaden Martell, first of all, Bill Dunbro is my favorite king character of all time.
1: Nice in the history of ever (laughs) that is so so good yep
0: (laughs) yeah he he is bill for me he's a heart smasher but like you said the intensity he brings and it's so subtle because how do you perform a character who has seen death Mm -hmm. who has lost so much and he's just very quiet and gentle and reserved but yet very very present he makes me want to hug him I, yep. I just, he's so strong and I love him so much. I, and like, it's not like he has any huge traumatic scenes or anything. It's just the whole time he is this young boy and we're instantly drawn to him. We want to defend him and protect him. That's powerful.
1: Oh, absolutely. It, oh, yeah.
0: Donald Sutherland is also just a straight up G. He's just a legend. <laughs> yep. Like He's just a legend. And he, I mean, that guy is definitely very seasoned. And he's still acting. I'm just like, good gracious. You're oh, still absolutely. amazing. You're oh, in your yeah. 80s. In yep. your 80s.
1: <laughs> and I was curious. That's, I was just discreetly checking um, because I wasn't sure if Donald Sutherland had done a Stephen King adaptation before. And it turns out that he is in the 2004 uh, TV adaptation of Salem's Lot. He plays Straker. Um oh gosh. yeah. And of course his son, Kiefer Sutherland, was in Standby. Yeah. Um
0: <laughs> I have a huge crush on him, so I know exactly where he was.
1: <laughs> nice. I'm a big fan of Keith Suther- Sutherland from his twenty four days, actually. So That
0: was a yeah. great show. I it, was super into that.
1: <laughs> it was. I I'm so I I don't know how well it aged it's aged or anything, but I mean I was all about that T V show. It was it was, I was obsessed with it. Like a a small anecdote talking about technology and everything. Um, watching 24, like when I was a teenager and it was like, this was before streaming. This was before, like, even before like iTunes and like buying episodes or what have you. But like, I, like, I remember being so angry, so angry because there was an episode, it was season four of 24. (laughs) It was like a pivotal episode. It was the closing moments of it. And then it was like, it was in like winter. The, the weather was bad. So my brother was like getting ready for work. Cause he worked the night shift and he's like, Hey Matt, you need to go and turn on my, turn on, uh, uh, uh let my, let my truck warm up and everything. So it's warmed and everything. I'm like, I, I can't like Jack Bowers, Jack bowering right now. Um, <laughs> and, Uh, he was, he's my older brother. So I was forced to, and then it's like, oh, okay. And then I ran in and it was like, like that, like 30, 45 seconds. It was like gone for me (laughs) until I could eventually see it again. But, uh, but yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland, uh, (laughs) fan. (laughs) Me too.
0: And I just, oh my God, Matt, there were 24 episodes. We're not used to that anymore. Uh, Right. Yeah, it was so much show, it was so much TV. The plots were insane. Yep, the duplicitous characters were everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It was great, and I yeah. loved his relationship with um, I forget her name, of course, the, the, the gal. Chloe. She's very hot, Holly. There you go. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, just gonna she say, she's awesome. so
1: hot, like, the, like she is so much like Holly Gibney. Like, that wow, I never made that connection, <laughs> and I know that King is a fan of 24. Um, and, like, he watched it and everything. So I wonder if, like, I wonder if there is, like, uh, Chloe O'Brien in Holly Gibney. Like, in the, in the recesses of King's brain, if he used, like, if he was influenced by 24 and Chloe. Because that is dead on. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: I think you're, you're dead on. I think that that makes (laughs) so much sense because... He very well could have just absorbed that character because she's super Holly Gibney. She's mm-hmm. very awkward around people. She's very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. The way she looks at the world is very, very different. Yeah. I re- yeah. Oh, wow. Look at what we stepped into. Right? Amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so. And that's so awesome, too, because, again, as we've said, this is King Miss Eve and we we're getting a holly gibney novel. So now I'm going to be reading the novel thinking of Chloe O'Brien from 24 and that's going to that's going to be an interesting experience. Yeah.
0: Full circle. I love it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um so uh so Mr. Harrigan's phone the movie. What what else do we want to talk about with <laughs> with it? Um performances are great. Where what else stood out to you?
0: So the one thing that kind of stood out You mentioned it's being it's incredibly close to the novella, which you Mm -hmm. are correct. And that's one of the reasons why I love it as well. But there is one part in there, Matt, because I watched it with my boyfriend, who's Mm -hmm. a non-King guy, and he posed this this super great question, because in the film little I I said little Jaden little Craig (laughs) (laughs) little Craig goes to Google to like research Mr. Harrigan Mm -hmm. and he finds these headline articles about mysterious death
1: oh yeah
0: local stockbroker mysterious death and cutthroat businessman Harrigan and so my boyfriend was like did Mr. Harrigan kill those people And I'm like, no, absolutely not. But that's how the film sort of portrayed it was this guy's a killer. But in the novella, what we learn about when Craig's talking with the housekeeper is that Mr. Harrigan prefers to ruin your life and let you kill yourself. Right. Right. he strips you of dignity. If you disgrace him or dishonor him, he will make sure you never work again. Mm-hmm. And so he will call every single employer in town and say, if you hire this guy, I'll shut your business down. So then I think the person in the novella's name is uh, Bill Ledeau, last yeah. name and uh, dusty but that, that's it yay yeah. functioning neurons <laughs> um so dusty billido, i guess stole from mr harrigan and mr yeah. harrigan made sure he never worked again and he couldn't get work he couldn't make money and so he took his own life because of that and i, I liked that in the novella because it makes Her- um mr harrigan not like a monstrous evil but right the movie, the movie did that and i was like uh-oh
1: yeah i i agree and i so i i know that the credited screenwriter is john lee hancock and i know that ryan murphy produced the movie and i'm i'll be honest i'm not a fan of ryan murphy like i've tried to get into plenty of his stuff like i i've i've had this snarky joke in my head that uh, it's too it's too it's too mean-spirited i guess to actually post on twitter or anything but uh but like my thought is that like oh yeah um uh american horror story like i can't believe that's been going for like 12 seasons or however long it is can you imagine if it was good (laughs) um like because (laughs) <laughs> because i watched the first season and i just it was it was so it was so uh, so much a pastiche of just horror vibes and like i could tell that each season taking a different theme was going to do that same thing and like i've noticed that with mostly most of his other stuff that i've seen i liked uh his oj simpson miniseries and everything but even then there's a moment where Um, they make some just really like, really on the nose sort of, uh, thing about like the Kardashians and being famous and everything. And, and like, I feel like having that moment in Mr. Harrigan's phone, having like Googling Mr. Harrigan and like having the implication of Mr. Harrigan killing people is like, it is how, you know, it's a Ryan Murphy production because it's like you, there are other parts of it that's subtle and, and well done. Like I like the, the gray area that he has of like, he sends, he sends, um, he sends a note and lottery tickets four days out of the year. That was another thing that just broke my heart in the, in, in the novella is that, uh, he goes and visits his grave on four days, the, those same four days. It's just like, I'm getting chills just saying that out loud because it's just so, is such emotional, such emotional. Um, but, <laughs> but to have that, like having the subtlety or, um, or nuance of having him having Craig call Mr. Harrigan to thank him for it because he won big on the scratcher. And he's like, Oh yeah, don't mention it. I buy those in bulk and I send them to everyone. (laughs) Like, it's not a big deal. Like like it was an after, like it's an afterthought basically. And like, that's such a great nuanced thing to have to, for the characterization. And then to have the movie also include like, Oh, read this headline and, you know, infer (laughs) that he's murdering people. So that we can get some good foreshadowing to when the phone causes him to murder people. It's like, okay, I don't need that in the movie. <laughs> like, spend some extra time. It's an hour and forty-four minute movie. Spend like a few extra minutes developing that that history with him that's in the novella, rather than streamline it for suspense. I don't know. That's my soapbox. I like I that bothered me too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm standing on the soapbox with you nice. right next to you cuz I was just so cuz my uh my boyfriend Andy he mm-hmm. could not let that go Matt. He was like Mr. Harrigan's a killer and I was like no he's not. Like <laughs> no, no he's not and I I was so I was so sad. I was mm-hmm. so sad that they they took that cheap corner rather than the one area I did appreciate like the one film interpolation that I wished would have been the only one mm-hmm. was I think it's toward the end of the film when, ah, gosh, I don't know how Craig, how old Craig is, but Mm. he goes to the house and he looks in the closet and there's all these photos of Mr. Harrigan as a child, and we find out that like Mr. Harrigan lost his mother when he was very very young, which is it deeper. It connects them on such a deeper level, and I liked that part. Like that part contributed to Mr. Harrigan. I yeah. I appreciated that bit. Everything else, I was like, I'm upset. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about the whole closet thing because I I also thought that was weird when that popped up in the movie where it's like, uh, like you're not allowed in there. You're no one's allowed to see what's in there, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay <laughs> that's weird. Uh, sure. And then at the end, sure. it's like, yeah, that that's that's really I, I do I do like that. I think that was that was a good inclusion for the movie. Yeah.
0: It was because the death of Craig's mom at such a young age Mm -hmm. is featured with greater strength in the film. And so I like that Mr. Harrigan had the same thing kind of happen for his character because it just deepened their bond. I was like, this is great. So, but yes, I am equally upset that the Ryan Murphy approach was utilized.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. It is is disappointing, but fortunately that's that's one small aspect of it but yeah yeah that's a bummer yeah yeah
0: it's minor and that's why i really really push people if you enjoyed the film just a tiny little Mm -hmm. bit the novella is so much more rich when you really understand that harrigan would never sully his own hands right but he also as you spoke of earlier i think had that moral compass even though it was very very subtle Mm -hmm. and he encouraged craig to have it when we get that message and he says stop yeah stop craig yeah which is so powerful
1: yep absolutely Uh, yeah it's it's a really it's a really good story maybe i'll revisit the movie um because again those performances were just so so good um Yeah,
0: I'm going to watch it again here, too. One thing, do you remember? This part was really, really cool. So I felt, I know that you, the Kenny Yanko performance wasn't Mm -hmm. great, but (laughs) I felt he looked exactly like the description in the novella. Like, he's dead on. Yeah. Of what's painted in the story. But there's a very cool scene where, this is why film is so amazing, is Mm -hmm. when Craig is beat up at the dance he falls down and his arms are kind of in this crisscrossy shape Mm -hmm. and then when we when the camera has a pov or no bird's eye view over kenny yanko's body it's laying in the exact same position
1: oh that's awesome i don't think i really caught that or i don't remember that that is awesome yeah. It's
0: so cool, Matt. That's you got to go so back. Good. It's it's so rich and it's subtle and you're just like, "Oh my god." Cuz <laughs> it's just it 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 really opens up something very huge and profound yeah. when you connect that Mr. Harrigan might have been there at the dance seeing him victimized and then Kenny Yanko was harmed in the exact same way. It's very
1: yeah. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yep that i I love film, I love the film medium me too. it's so great, I love that, um, yeah, and then the um the heartbreak in the novella and in the movie of the teacher and her fiance was just like that that kind of gutted me a bit in in the novella, and I think it was done pretty well in in the movie as well, um, it kind of came about kind of suddenly, which it kind of needs to, I guess, um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. I think that the trajectory or the escalation of the different events that Craig experiences and the different events that he has to use the phone, um, is really great because it, it works together with that coming of age story in such a, such a great way. So,
0: yeah rereading the novella again today actually it's really quick everybody like mm -hmm. it doesn't take long at all but i noticed something about the teacher so one of the first times we meet her is when kenny yanko has given craig a hard time and she kind of rushes in to the rescue it's great um and so but after craig is beaten up she really sort of steps in and helps him out and gives him a hand and um, after Kenny Yanko passes away, there's like a line where she says, you know, I never want any child to die, but yeah. can you can you imagine if he was driving? And that is such huge foreshadowing, Matt. I oh my god.
1: <laughs> I don't think I even put that together as foreshadowing. I just I was I was so focused on the the way that she is being just so genuine like she probably shouldn't say that to a kid (laughs) like even like even in that kind of way but like oh my god that is brilliant i love that so good yeah so
0: good right every time i come back to this story i get a little slice of something new and i just noticed that and i was like oh my god so that it's because especially in that third act of the story where this terrible thing happens to her because of a driver yep. and you're like oh my god my arm oh
1: that's so great and th- that feeds in so well to like craig wanting to have the man killed like it's just so it's like that just brings uh yeah it's, it's fantastic Fantastic. I'm telling
0: you, sometimes I'm really in awe because King always says, I'm a seat of the pants writer, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that. He discovers the story as he's going. But every now and again, I'm like, this is too perfect. Yep. You're planning. <laughs> you're planning and you're not telling us. You're yep. a planner, a secret planner, because this is just <laughs> too well done, especially yep. when I look at The Shining. I'm like, oh my, oh my God,
1: God yes. Is-
0: This is so dang perfect. How did you not plan
1: this? So great. So great. Um, Yeah. So uh, overall thoughts on Mr. Harrigan's phone, the movie. Um, Out of five stars, what would you rate it?
0: Oh, gosh. So five stars for me is like the greatest thing Mm -hmm. ever in the history of life. Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: The Dark Tower (laughs) adaptation from 2017. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that gets no stars, <laughs> right? Man. Well, I take it back. It gets half a star for casting and costumes. Yep. So I, yeah. I didn't hate it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so I this is a solid four for me, maybe four and nice. a half, because I just love the novella so much, and what this film does so beautifully is it captures the heart. It captures the heart of the story, the drama that we feel for the character of Craig, for his life, for his relationship with Mr. Harrigan. It translates beautifully. And because we just don't get that a lot in King adaptations, I'm so celebratory of this, Matt. I'm so thrilled that it was able to take the heart and put it on screen beautifully. Mm-hmm.
1: Well said, and I will say that it's it's so nice to uh, have you <laughs> to have you on the podcast for a for a movie that's good, like because we did the Boogeyman, <laughs> like we did. It's it's so funny because I saw an ad on like Facebook or something for the Boogeyman saying like, oh, it's going to be on VOD or wherever now, and like for a brief moment, I legitimately <laughs> forgot that that movie existed. Like, I had completely erased it from my memory. And, like, I saw it in the theater. I talked about it extensively with you on the podcast. And I'm pretty sure I did a Patreon thing for it, too. And it's just like, it was gone. It was not in my brain until I saw
0: it. That mm. is h a- a- hilarious. I am yeah. dying over that. That is going to be the gift that keeps on giving because yeah. I too were, were. Took me a second. Oh, yeah, that happened this year. Huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, my rating for Mr. Harrigan's phone, I feel a little bit bad. I might bump it up a little bit because I have it at two and a half stars which for me, I mean, that's the, that's literally the middle of the rating scale, the five star scale. So it's that rating for me, cause I'm the way my brain works is weird, but I'm just like, okay, this is middle. It could be, it could be a negative reaction or a positive one. It's right on the middle. Um, so I, yeah, two and a half stars out of five, I think just as straightforward as it is. I enjoyed that aspect of it, but, um, there were some things that just it just didn't really um leave too strong of an impression on me aside from the performances and uh the storytelling really. Um maybe I'll pump it up if I watch it again.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> I hope it gets to 3, but mm-hmm. I completely respect everybody's <laughs> subjective viewing. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um I think I'm also a little bit biased. I I mean I Hope I'm not. I think I'm giving a genuine rating like f- mm-hmm. based on the film, but I love Jaden as Bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe that's sneaking in just a tiny bit. I will I'm gonna watch it again here for like the third time and maybe nice. maybe it might dip to like a 3.5, but mm-hmm. I really feel good with the solid four. Nice. Solid four feels good and perfect.
1: That is very respectable, and I uh, am am happy that it worked so well for you.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I really am happy that we got a very solid adaptation that is very close to the novella, and that's rare. Yeah. So I celebrate this out of the rarity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the way that it's... Um, it kind of feels like maybe it was a little bit under the radar because it's a Netflix film. And like in the course of talking for like the last couple of hours, there have probably been like three or four Netflix releases on there (laughs) (laughs) because they just throw so much stuff on there. Um, so I think that it's it's a little bit interesting that it's flying under the radar. So I think that people if they haven't seen it will maybe get more enjoyment out of it rather than if it was a big like tentpole release or or what have you that's like oh starring uh starring the kid from it and produced right. by the master storyteller Ryan Murphy um LOL <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh so yeah so i don't know it's it's a respectable effort i i enjoyed it i don't really have anything really negative to say about it so yeah
0: that's huge that's winning that's winning in itself the fact that we don't have many mud clops or what if mud cakes sure (laughs) (laughs) clods of mud to sling at it is is very that's a sign of winning to me
1: absolutely absolutely totally agree um all right, well, uh, Kim, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Mr. Harrigan's Phone and Stephen King and, uh, again, Master Storyteller Ryan Murphy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, if you could, once again, tell people where they can find the Year of Underrated Stephen King and what's uh, what's coming down the pike slash pipe uh, <laughs> for the show uh, going forward.
0: Oh, thank you so much, first of all. Like, I a i love chatting with you about anything like we could chat about paint drying grass growing Mm. it would be great so thank you for having me back i just you're my stephen king bestie forever and always uh thank you for supporting the show and i love this novella so much so thank you for allowing me to come on and talk about it because it just fills my heart it moves me It's just, oh, it makes me so happy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Of course. Um, And where can we find your show?
0: Podcasts should be everywhere. This mm-hmm. is a Spotify podcast, so Spotify is a good place if you are a subscriber, but pretty much everywhere you pod, we will be. Nice. And coming up, I have, I'm going to today, I think it's going to be today. Nice. I have two awesome constant reader interviews It's a double nice. release day to celebrate King Miss Eve. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, that's going to be super fun. I hope you guys all listen because my guests are amazing. And nice. then um, shortly after, hopefully this month, if the stars align, I'll make sure my fairy tale episode is out because I really had a good time with that novel. Nice. Not a great time, but a mm-hmm. good time. Yep. And so fairy tales <laughs> coming and then that will lead into October where I think it's going to be Salem's Lot. Nice. Nice. Maybe carry, and then I don't know how we'll round out twenty twenty-three, but it'll be cool. It'll be good.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And of course links to all of Kim C's stuff is in the show notes of the episode. There was a question I was gonna ask you about Fairy Tale. Oh, oh, did you did you read or listen to the audiobook or both? How did you consume it? Both. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, just just a slight tangent here. When uh not to give anything away in the plot but when i when i got the book um when it came out last year um i basically what i would do is i would um uh, listen to the audiobook and take like a walk around my complex and there were moments in that audiobook one moment in particular where i just kind of stopped dead in my tracks and it was like this is awesome it's uh <laughs> it's the moment where where uh king makes an appearance in the audiobook. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it was just like i was listening to that and i was like this is awesome this is just great um so yeah so i recommend the audiobook uh, if you guys haven't uh, listened to fairy tale
0: i love that narrator i think his name is neil something i think yeah. like, he's so great and he narrated later which is so good and uh, i'm a huge fan so please check it out because yeah king does make the best cameo and yep. he's he's actually playing a character he's yeah. not just himself he is acting and it's wonderful it is
1: so great it is so <laughs> great and uh in in the the like full-time narrator who did later was uh seth numrich um yes. and he's he's fantastic he's fantastic so yeah yeah. if you
0: liked him check out later because he narrates later and later is so good guys it's so dang good
1: yeah i jeez i love i love later so much and we still need to get a hard case crime stephen king episode with you uh that that is still in my brain i promise i haven't forgotten that but we'll we'll do that in at some point for sure
0: i'm Um, love it can't wait
1: Nice, cause I still have not read the Colorado Kid. Um, <gasps> yeah, I know, <laughs> I,
0: know. <laughs> so. I would I just can't wait. I can't wait for your thoughts, Matt, because nice. it is not it is a it is a story that mm. is very polarizing, okay, very polarizing for a lot of people. Nice. Some people get really upset about that one. Okay. <laughs> so I it's so fun for a discussion. I think you'll
1: like it. Nice. Nice. Well, I will get to that at some point and we'll have you on for sure. And uh and yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is gonna do it for this episode of Tower Junkies on this Kingmas Eve. Uh tomorrow Holly comes out. Tomorrow I'm gonna be going to Barnes and Noble after work to put my fingerprints all over all the copies. <laughs> um, Yay! Yes! And, and yeah, and we'll I'll I'll be doing a read-along review on Patreon each Sunday. I'm going to have a chunk of the book uh, reviewed, so check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, all my book reactions are on the $2 tier, but if you want all of my Stephen King-related content, which includes book reactions and movie reviews and movie commentary tracks and a bunch of other stuff, ch- uh, check out the $4 Stephen King tier to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, yeah. And without further ado, um, uh, thank you once again, Kim, for joining me to talk Stephen King. It is always an absolute delight and uh, an absolute blast to chat with you. So thank you again. And everyone go listen to her podcast right now please. <laughs> thank
0: you, Matt. Yeah. I love it here. Thanks tower yes. donkeys. My yes. favorite place. Ah, yes.
1: And I'm going to start playing this out. Cause I forgot that I do that. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to kind of let the music run a little bit because I don't like editing too much or anything, but anyway, <laughs> uh, th- thank you guys once again for listening to the show and also check out the other podcasts, the obsessive viewer and anthology And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights.
0: And may you have twice the number.
1: And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed for the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes. Go to patreon.com obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I was just so blown away by it, specifically because of this section, Act 3, thanks Chuck. Um, this is such a unique and interesting um, exploration of you know the life of a person on its deathbed on their deathbed as they are about to die this exploration of mortality through the lens or through the prism of a post apocalyptic or in progress apocalyptic event in the world that is stunning to me and even though the other the rest of the novella doesn't hold really a candle to this section um it's still a monumentally incredible novella for me. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.